because we live in a Puritan police state, we are obliged to inform you that we may sometimes use explicit language. Now that you've been warned, let's get this shit started. Welcome to what I had heard was, I'm Jennifer in the studio. And I'm Anna on the phone, self-isolating for everybody's benefit. <laughs> Mine included. And we have an expert guest today, uh, Elizabeth. She's our resident art expert. Can you give us our, your credentials? <laughs> um, sure. Hello. So I studied art history at the University of Cincinnati. Um, Go Bearcats. After... Go Bearcats, yeah, yeah. Um, and then after I graduated, I was a intern at the Cincinnati Art Museum. Um, I was like a curatorial assistant. Um, and then I went to grad school in New York. I have a um, MA in film from NYU. And then um, that's where I still am. I work in New York uh, in art shipping logistics for an auction house here. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty fancy. Uh, and your credentials are pretty amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, they blow ours up way out of the water. So. I uh, sometimes go to the art museum and take pictures of the art with my cell phone. I do that, too. Well, I mean, that's my art experience, so. I feel like I don't know what people did in art museums before they had cell phones. <laughs> they just enjoyed. What? <laughs> so you work for, uh, so you work for an, an art auction house, Yeah. Um, I work for a place that, like, does shipping. It's, like, shipping logistics for auction houses. Oh, oh, okay. Technically, like, for the auction house, but I work with them closely. What, what makes something worth that much money? Like, who decides that something is worth thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars versus, you know, something they wouldn't wipe their ass with? It's like first and foremost, like that someone is willing to pay that much. So, like, <laughs> and there it is. That's it, folks. This is. <laughs> I feel like that answer is a little our, too this obvious. Has a, this has been our podcast on economics. <laughs> Money's it's, not real. It's worth it's whatever uh, somebody will pay up, for it. It's made up concept, but um, no, like so, if one person decides that they want to pay one million dollars for something then after that, that's what it's worth. Like, as soon as they pay for it, that's the value of the work, even if it's terrible. Like, it will just be forever known as that until someone pays more or a lot less. So um, an artist just needs to sell a piece for a lot of money. That's what's going to make the difference. Yeah, so one of my friends is a painter, and I was, like, asking him to sell me one of his pieces because I liked it a lot, and he was like, yeah, yeah, like, I won't charge you very much, but if anyone asks, say it was, like, $10,000, <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Well, cause, yeah, because then, because that's the thing, it's it's all about perception, right? Yeah. And so, it's, uh, it's the same way with uh, fashion designers. Uh, Michael Kors was making a whole bunch of bags and, you know, his purses and whatnot, and then um, decided to make another line of purses but that was more affordable um so that you know folks like us could buy them and um there was like this huge uproar about it and how the people who were buying his higher scale stuff uh were mad about was mad about it because then it was going to devalue 
their bag. Yeah, that's all, like, that's all it has. It's not like there's a, like, the quality is not going to get any better at a certain point, the, you know? Michael Kors makes excellent purses, though. Yeah, for sure, but, like, a $20,000 bag is not going to be that much better than, like, a $3,000 bag, you know? It's just about the name. Oh, absolutely. If I paid $20,000 for a purse, <laughs> like, it better come with a back rub or, like, a Batman utility belt or something. <laughs> that sounds, like, made up, but people absolutely have spent $20,000 on a purse. Oh, yeah, right. there was a... And, I, and I, I, like, see it. Like, they sell them at auction houses. It's terrible. They sell purses wow. at auction houses? Sometimes. I guess. Why not? Yeah, they sell, sure. like, yeah, you can buy all that stuff on eBay. You know, it's an online <laughs> auction house, right? Yeah, same idea. I mean, it, it's not quite Sotheby's, but... <laughs> High-scale eBay. High-scale eBay, yeah. That's, that's basically what I'm doing. I'm just, like, mediating eBay sales. <laughs> that sounds fun. That sounds more fun. I've achieved my <laughs> dreams. <laughs> How are you holding up in uh, quarantine? In New York City? Um, fine most of the time. You know, you have, like, bad days where it, like, hits you all at once again, and you're, like, think every bad thing and start to panic a little bit, but then, like, time keeps going, and then you're fine again. It's just, like, kind of boring more than anything. So, in trying to, trying to keep yourself from, uh, going stir-crazy, are you, uh, doing anything creative? Um, I was working on a double portrait right now, actually, an oil painting of two of my best friends. They don't know each other, but I put them in one painting. I love it. I wanted to, and it made me happy, but I haven't finished that yet. Nice. It's really hard to feel motivated right now. I have your piece totally in my hallway. Insane. What about hallway? The piece you gave me. <laughs> oh, that was, um, I think that was from a painting class I did. It's beautiful. College. We'll put a picture of it up on the Instagram. Okay. I should, uh, finish my double portrait so I can send it to you. Absolutely. We'll put that up on our Instagram. Just make sure that when we put that up on Instagram that we tell everybody that those paintings are worth at least $6,000. <laughs> Six? I think you're shortchanging her. Um. $50 million. $50 million? Think big. Between eight thousand and fifty million, somewhere somewhere in between there. <laughs> it's a, like a Michael a Kors, you know. <laughs> or just right, like priceless. <laughs> oh, not for sale, right? Not for sale, and then that makes everybody really want to buy it. <laughs> I heard something about the Cincinnati Art Museum that was very strange. Um, they are like letting Animal Crossing use their copyrighted images, so you can like download paintings and artworks that are at the Cincinnati Art Museum into Animal Crossing. That's amazing because I myself wondered how I was going to tell the difference between the real and the fakes. <laughs> I was thinking about that and how having an art history degree will help me pick out the fake paintings in Animal Crossing and like being thankful that I'm going to use my degree. Well I mean that's what I use as my construction degree. <laughs> <laughs> For Animal Build Crossing? Build beautiful things in the well Minecraft, but it's it's kind of the same thing now. <laughs> One's just a little cuter. 
Yeah, I'm not cool enough to have a switch. Yeah, thankfully your thankfully your daughter flirted with some dude at mm-hmm. on the phone, and <laughs> so you were able to wrangle one. Oh yeah, she did. That was really a, an awesome move right there. It was slick. Wait, I didn't hear about that. So yes, she goes, uh, go right now to, I'm not going to say the store name, to the store and ask her, this guy, and uh, you can get your switch. And I was like, all right. So I just run out the door, like I throw a bra on, I'm in my pajamas. I mean, I'm wearing a sweatsuit, but I run to Walmart and my hair's a mess. The guy comes out and he goes, are you the lady I talked to on the phone? I said, my, no, that's my daughter. And you could just see the relief <laughs> wash over him. Like, oh my God, thank God. And then she told me that she had told him that she liked his voice. <laughs> what? <laughs> it worked. I love that girl so much. I can't imagine saying that to somebody on the phone. Besides you, I said that earlier with your sultry voice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's all we get? Welcome to what I had heard was tonight. <laughs> I love your voice. Do you have a switch? I do have a switch. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been seeing on the social medias all these people doing um, recreations of famous artworks, but with found stuff in their house or that's fantastic. You know, just like, yeah, just like them wrapped in a bath towel or something, <laughs> you know, holding a bowl of fruit. <laughs> yeah, if you had fruit in a bathrobe, you could do ninety percent of all paintings that ever existed. <laughs> See now, like now, that's a challenge. Have you done one? Have I have I done one of those? No, not yet. I mm-hmm. I have assigned some of that to my. Um, well, actually, lies. Uh, when I was in grad school, um, we had to recreate a uh, a famous painting. So the costume designers had to like recreate the costume. Lighting designers had to recreate the light. The oh. Set designers had to do the scenery, and so we made you know so we tried to get it as uh, realistic as possible. And then of course, and then there was a person in it, and um, so I guess I looked as close to, you know, this doughy looking female <laughs> that we were trying to recreate. So then I had to get all dressed up and like pour a bowl of milk kind of thing. So. Oh, is it Vermeer? Yes, that's it. Yes, with the oh. with the pitcher of milk and yeah, the light. Yeah. And, yep, there it is. See, I knew we had the right expert. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I did do one of those, uh, in grad school. That's um, so cool. But not recently. Uh, do you have I did a, a, a photo of that still? Yes, somewhere. Oh, we can oh. put that on Instagram too. Yeah, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I want to see. Yeah, it was fun. It was really neat too. Uh, but I think that the folks on, on the social media are just killing it. You know, <laughs> um, I'm always so impressed at how creative people can be. Me you know? too, yeah. Do I've you seen... have one in mind that you're going to do? No, not particularly. Um, you can do the I... milk girl again if you have some milk, some almond like, milk or something. Part do. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think, like, there is bad art? Sure, yeah. And what what makes it bad? Um, I feel like there are a lot of things that go into whether or not something is successful as art and I think the combination of aesthetics and expression and meaning if it's lacking all of those things then it's probably bad art unless there's some other compelling aspect to it which would I don't I don't know so I can't think of anything that would not be aesthetically pleasing 
or express some emotion. But yeah, definitely there's bad art. <laughs> I mean, objectively. Well, that's the other thing, like, subjectively. You know, everybody has their own opinion on things, and so that's why some people be like, oh yeah, that's totally worth $10,000, and some other people be like, I wouldn't even buy that at a garage sale. <laughs> yeah, like, you some know. art I wouldn't take for free that's worth millions of dollars, unless I was gonna sell that is. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true that um, aesthetic is subjective. I don't particularly like Jeff Koons or anything. His stuff is kind of ugly, but a lot of people love him. Suck it, Jeff Koons. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know who he is. Like, he could probably be, like, a lovely person, so. Um, I don't think that he is, but he does, <laughs> <laughs> he, he does something that is very annoying, that he comes up with one concept or design and then recreates it over and over again, and he doesn't even necessarily do it himself. He has a studio that, like, mass produces some of his sculptures, and then they sell those sculptures for a lot of money. And, like, it just seems so transactional or something. Um, but it just rubs me the wrong way. Plus, I, I don't like how they look, so that's also part of it. <laughs> and it's ugly. <laughs> Andy has stupid hair. <laughs> He's kind of a dick. Yeah. I always like how, um, at least for me, when uh, I meet somebody, until... I decided don't like them. Like, I don't care what they look like. I don't care about any of those things, whatever. But as soon as it's like they rub me the wrong way, and then I'm just like, ugh, and they got ugly hair, and their shoes are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but, like until, like, until they make me mad, it's like, whatever. Yeah, there's just something about, like, not ever having, like, your hands on an artwork and then putting your name on it that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Mm it bothers you when they do put their names on it? Yeah, and if it's just, like, made in their studio, and it's just their design, it's, like, I, part of the reason why I, like, enjoy looking at a piece of art is just, like, the act of them making it, it it's something I like to imagine. Right, yeah. And, like, what that meant to them, I feel like it's important instead of just the concept. How do you feel about Dale Chihuly, then? The guy does those, like, crazy glass sculptures um, um i think they're so beautiful i think a lot of his stuff is like in a studio setting where he draws a couple sketches and then other people actually blow the glass and do the actual physical work because he can't like he can't do that anymore yeah so do you think you have the same feeling about his work versus this other guys <laughs> or um i I think the sentiment is the same, but I do like Dale Chihuly a lot. Um, I think his stuff is beautiful. Uh, I would say he's more of a designer in my eyes mm -hmm. um, okay. than like a like a fine artist. And he he did at one point have like a real passion for constructing the pieces himself. True, true. And I guess I feel like if he can't do it anymore, then that's different than not, than just choosing not to do it. Yeah, to make money off of it um, by having it made mass-produced in a studio. Yeah, I guess I would say that I would consider him more of a designer because he he's not like the craftsman anymore. Oh, but sure. but that I mean goes into like a whole gray area about like artists that do like found objects like Duchamp. He didn't like actually necessarily make the things that he turned into art. I think it's complicated and maybe on a case-by-case -case basis and I can't really say like 
overarching thing like this is art and this other thing is not art um, that's the thing that's the thing i love about art is the fact that you can't say overarching things about it other than mm-hmm. this overarching statement that i'm saying that you can't say overarching. <laughs> <laughs> that's know. the one rule yeah <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's always an exception. Absolutely. Like, you being mad at people with stupid hair, I think I'm just especially hard on Jeff Koons because they don't like him. So some of the, uh, or some of the most celebrated artists have been uh, obviously mentally ill. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Um, I I mean, several of them have, yeah. The more fun ones. (laughs) (laughs) Have an ear. You've never thought about it? Um... I have. I read a book of letters that Vincent Van Gogh wrote to his brother, and it's, like, really extensive, and he talks about, like, almost every painting he ever did. Um, And, I mean, he's, like, the most famous example of a, like, troubled artist that struggled with mental illness. Um, I think that he had more of an opportunity for success, though, with his brother. Yeah, being an art dealer, yeah. Mm -hmm. But... I feel like he was his most productive when he wasn't having, like, spells of mental illness. I mean, it was really present in his work, like, his depression and his, like, feelings of isolation and, like, failure. But, um, like, when he was really going through something, he couldn't paint usually. Like, sometimes he could, but for, for the most part, he was a functional person. Well, that's, I mean, that's relatable. Depression does take you to a point where you can't function, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question that I've heard raised. If you could, like, have the power to do that, which cure Vincent Van Gogh's depression so he was not so moody and emotional and, like, wouldn't have created some of his masterpieces. That's true. Well, see, I think he still, I think he still would have created them. You know, yeah. they just would have been, you know, they it probably would have been different subject matter or, you know, because, I mean, he's still going to have, he still has his talent. He still has his outlook on things, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And, like, Starry Night was, I mean, he was a really, really deeply religious person. He was, like, a preacher for a spell before he started painting seriously. Um, And that kind of failed, but he was really religious and that inspired Starry Night. Um, like his love of God. So I feel like that's probably his most famous painting and I don't know how like melancholy it is really. Maybe it is, but my perception of it is it's just like kind of like in awe of how beautiful the world is. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it I I would definitely see it as a little more uplifting and hopeful than, you know, uh open the 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 blue room (laughs) i think i have that actually on my bedroom wall i do like him a lot um but yeah we don't know if he would have been even more productive if he wasn't suffering from depression and also i mean he's an interesting example too because like his paintings are really expressive and emotional but they're not that intellectual so i think he's maybe not i mean it's hard to say like that's how artists are because i think a lot of artists are more like conceptual and come from a place of like what does this mean what does it say rather than how does it make me feel or like modern art anyway is more about concept than emotion what about uh these artists you know in the past who are celebrated who were 
I mean, they were terrible people. The, you know, they were womanizers and they were just in general awful. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I thought, I've thought a lot about that, like separating the art from the artist because like painters and like fine artists in particular are very horrible people to find <laughs> out. Um, like I remember um, in college, one of my art history professors told a story about how Picasso got like really annoyed with his wife at a bullfight and to get her to shut up he put a cigar out on her face like he is very abusive and like holy crap just an uncaring kind of shitty person and he probably he got like, away with it right yeah I mean no one cared probably <laughs> I mean I can't imagine nobody cared I mean if she, if she didn't press charges or you know whatever then yeah, a lot of places, like, I don't know, you couldn't press charges against somebody if they were your husband. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. Although I might be misremembering details about that. It could have just been his partner, I don't know. Um, but... Either way, total dick move. Yeah, he's a, he's a huge dick, but he's also, I would say, the artist of, like, modernism. Like, he, he is the most important person. That makes it, um, that makes it extra difficult then to... <laughs> yeah, and... A lot of art is like who did it first, who had this idea first, who broke this ground, and you can't like rewrite history just because somebody was an awful person. Um, still did the work. Yeah, and the mother of Caravaggio was a literal murderer. Like he murdered somebody. Yeah, he was, didn't he die in a bar fight? I, yeah, I think it was a bar fight. Yeah. He was, like, in his 30s or something, and he was, like, a drinker and, like, on the run from some hit that was out on him or something like that. And, and you're, you're yeah, not seeing mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also, like, an extremely important, influential artist. Yeah, his stuff is beautiful. and it's so beautiful. You know, he, like, he, he's, you know, anybody says, Carrie's hero... And you're like, mm, Caravaggio. Like, yeah, the only person you think about. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> Other people have done example. it since then, but, you know, he's the he's the guy that, you know, those extreme light and dark. Gorgeous and moving, and it's hard to believe that somebody that was violent and uncaring could do that. I mean, history is what it is. It's probably important to recognize that these people were flawed and not treat them like they were something they weren't but I think that's a I think that's a very good point you know to accept that they're human and they had flaws it's you know don't put them on this pedestal I mean yeah I think people do that a lot with artistic genius and they like present them as the gods almost yeah but you know it's, a, it's the same stuff like you know we do with um our celeb or our current celebrities you know I mean back in the day artists were the celebrities and now we have um, you know, movie stars and, and athletes and, you know, musicians and whatnot. And, you know, they say one thing wrong, make one misstep, whatever, and everybody wants to, you know, just throw everything they've ever done out in the garbage. And it's like, well. Yeah. And I, I think, like, if you're looking at somebody that was, that had, like, power and influence in, like, the 1800s or earlier than, you were living in a completely different world with different standards than we have. Not that that's excusable, but... But it's something to oh, consider. Oh, sure. I mean, 
Murder is still murder. (laughs) (laughs) John Wayne Gacy, though, right now, famous clown. Uh, You know, he he was doing paintings and stuff in his cell, and, you know, those are worth, like, a ton of money now. I've read that those aren't even his. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I had heard. You can claim it. Maybe he's doing the same thing um, (laughs) where it's, like, it's his studio, and so he's got other inmates. He had other inmates paint him, and then he just put his name on him. He's Millie Vanillying. <laughs> is that a moral gray area to be like working in the studio of John Wayne Gacy? <laughs> mm, it depends how much money you make, honestly. <laughs> what? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, you ask me a question. It doesn't matter if you agree with me. <laughs> well, he definitely did paint something, though. I'm sure. He was a contractor. I don't know where his clown paintings went, though. There's a whole market for mem- for murderabilia, so somebody oh, paid a yeah. lot of money for it. Uh, the guy from um, Ghost Adventures bought Ed Gein's uh, pot. His his pot? Yeah. Is he the one that inspired Psycho? Texas Chainsaw Massacre and those. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, Psycho. And like Silence of the Lambs, he was like the the person that was cutting up bodies. That's right? super weird. <laughs> Needless to say. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't like a Ooh. little weird. Not like typical serial killers. He was a lot weird. Yeah. I mean, if you inspire three different films, then I think I'm going to get, this is a digression, but I'm going to get like a stick and poke kit from the internet and start giving myself tattoos while I'm in quarantine. You're going to get yourself prison tattoos? Good idea. Uh... On the, yeah, like, that ranks up there with face tattoos. I'm not going to give myself a face tattoo. Prison tattoos aren't much better. It's not a prison tattoo, it's a quarantine tattoo. All you need is a ballpoint pen and a needle. <laughs> just do it that way. Just read it on the internet, that's all you have to do. Save yourself some money. <laughs> Why do you think that there's never been any definitive proof of Bigfoot? I think it's because he's not real. <laughs> well, all right. There you go. That it is a solid answer. <laughs> that would be my guess. I think that there are a lot of people that are drinkers, and there are a lot of people that are bored, and there are a lot of big, hairy folk, and just the combination of those things is the myth of Bigfoot. Well, I, I think... mean, honestly, that seems like as a legitimate of a argument as any of the ones we had last week. So. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so I think that um, we should end with Elizabeth. What advice do you have for people who want to pursue art as a career, even perhaps people who have been discouraged by family? What advice do you have for them? Um. I think it's really rare to have a passion for anything and it's kind of wonderful and special and that's not going to come around very often. I mean, you only have one life, so why not? I don't know. I've always just like done whatever I felt like to. <laughs> I was like, I, I never really like thought out, like I didn't have a 10 year plan or anything. Um, I just studied art history because I loved art and then I studied film because I love film. And I feel like if you work hard and 
you're smart and organized and whatever, then you can get a good job and something will come from it. Um, whatever that is, you know, um, you probably need to be okay with not making a lot of money. <laughs> um, but um, you can support yourself and like having a passion and being happy with what you're doing and having a genuine interest in what you're doing is so important. Anna, I'm going to throw that same question to you since you also work in the art field. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to people who want to pursue art and uh, maybe perhaps their families are discouraging them or they're unsure? Well, uh, as we've talked about today, uh, art is subjective. And so just because one person doesn't like it doesn't mean that it's not valid and amazing and awesome and totally worth it to the world. Um, so uh, fuck the haters. And Amen. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like with, uh, you know, like how Elizabeth said, you know, having, being able to, you know, participate in your passion on a daily basis is huge, is very huge. I do know, though, that having your passion as your job definitely takes the shine off of it, <laughs> you know, because it's, you still have to find a good work-life balance so that you don't end up hating the thing that you love. So you don't think the uh, old adage of do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life is true? Uh, unless winning the lottery is what I love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's still work and there's still days when you're like, I don't want to go to work. <laughs> you yeah, know? absolutely, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, but it's, you, you, it's definitely rewarding, you know. Um, definitely... You feel better about yourself and having spent 8, 10, 12 hours that day doing whatever it is. You feel a lot better about it as opposed to, oh my gosh, I just spent 8 hours working behind a, a counter in a store that, you know, if it burned to the ground, I wouldn't care. <laughs> Go on, office that space. that sold the switch. Right, exactly, like the lady who, who <laughs> sold you that switch. <laughs> I feel bad for all the people who are who are having to work right now. Mm, me too. Agreed. And I hate that, like, I mean, obviously, it's wonderful that they're doing that, but, like, to paint them as heroes kind of against their will, like, they just, people just don't have options, and they don't have anything to fall back on, and I feel like instead of the government being like, you have choices, you don't have to go to work, they're like, you're a hero. Right. Right. And you're like, no, nope, still gonna pay my bills. You're like, I don't want to be a hero. I just don't want to eat ramen for the next 15 years. Well, if all, if all you ate was ramen, you wouldn't last 15 years. <laughs> oh, no. That's probably true. Just saying. Ramen's delicious, but your sodium, your sodium levels would go through the roof. Oh, God, I had that for lunch today and yesterday. I just well, found out. Yeah, no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I didn't. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, you know, and... In college, I didn't, you know, I didn't, like, <laughs> subsist off of that for, like, three months in a row. Just I just saying. found out that they have roast beef uh, flavor. You just found out? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I am so behind the, the times. Like The OG flavors, though, it's, like, in the red pack, right? Yeah, I yeah. didn't know this. Well, I, I'm a creamy chicken girl. I was a chicken, then I found creamy chicken. You're a creamy chicken girl? I'm a creamy chicken. <laughs> whatever, whatever your next painting is... Can you just m make sure that the title of it is Creamy Chicken Girl? <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
Oh, you can rename the painting I gave you. Would you like to? We shall. Yeah, I mean, oh. it doesn't really have a title. Okay. I'll make oh, a... It's Creepy Chicken Girl! I'll make oh, a little placard exciting. for it. <laughs> Yay! Oh, we just created a work art here. That's exciting. <laughs> and I mean, technically, you did all the work in painting it, but, you know. Actually, I own it, and I'm not selling it for less than half a million dollars. So. <laughs> <laughs> that seems completely fair. And you named it, which is the huge part. I think I love, I love that. It just... There's so much into it. I love looking at it. I didn't realize you painted that, Elizabeth. That's beautiful. Oh, uh, We want to thank you for being on the show as our expert. Uh, we hope you'll come back. I really enjoyed having you. I know personally. Oh, yes. Please do. This is awesome. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you for having me. And uh, we will forward all of the mail that comes in to our email to you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Anyway, uh, catch us next week and see you later. We would like to thank our sponsor, Reset, an encore for your production. Do you create things to educate, entertain, frighten, or enlighten an audience? Have you invested time, money, and soul into your work and not want to see it go right into the trash? Then Reset is the website for you. Create a listing for your new or used entertainment item on www resetyourset.com so your work can get the encore it deserves. Visit the site for listings, dock sales, and a customized treasure map of the secondhand and resale stores across the country. That's www.resetyourset.com or you can follow Reset on Facebook or Instagram with hashtag ResetYourset.